Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. It's a joy to be able to minister this morning on this special Father's Day and our online service. Uh, Welcome everybody across our six campuses that make up Arena Church. You're all uh, really welcome and we thank you for your uh, encouraging and uh, consistent engagement with the online service. Uh, If you're a first-time guest today, maybe uh, you sat with uh, family or even on your own, a particularly warm welcome. And we trust that God's word will come to you today, it will bless you, it will minister to you, and uh, that you will feel the heart of God through uh, his love ministering out in this time together. Um, As you know, it's Father's Day and the title of the message this morning is Come back home. And it's found in Luke chapter 15. I guess that many preachers and communicators have gone to this chapter today. Actually, as I was preparing for the ministry, I was seeking to go elsewhere. But the message of the lost son particularly uh, was like a hook drawing me back in. And I eventually decided I could go nowhere else. Before we get to the text, just one or two things about fathers. We live in a society today where sadly fathering is on many occasions undermined, deliberately so in some instances. In Arena Church, we place a great value on the power and blessing of fathers. And today we honour all of our dads across Arena Church I can hardly believe that my eldest daughter is 37 this autumn. You can see what fathering's done to my hairline. There was a day when all the hair was there and it was a different colour. Just ask Sharon. Fathering's not always easy, but it's not impossible. And it's a blessing and a joy to be able to have an influence on others as they grow and mature. So thank you, dads. Keep going. Today, as you think about... Father's Day, it may be for you celebration. Dad's with you. You've remembered to get the card and the chocolates and perhaps even breakfast in bed and you're looking forward just to spending time together. Great. It may be a day of reflection where your earthly father is no longer with you, with us and you look back today with some sense of happy memories of time spent together. Or it may be today that you're filled with indignation because the very thought of fathering leaves you with past experiences that leave a sour taste in the mouth. Uh, It makes it even difficult for you to relate to God as a father. Please don't switch off. Please don't turn away. We're believing today that God will help each of us to have a real breakthrough in understanding The wonderful father heart of God. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. Before we come to the actual story, I want to read two verses from the beginning of Luke chapter 15. It's one of the good news books found in the New Testament that speaks predominantly about the life and ministry of Jesus. And I'm reading those two verses from uh, the Message Bible, which is an updated version of the Bible through the lens of a great pastor and writer, Eugene Peterson. 
And he says these words. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religious scholars were not pleased. Not at all pleased. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. And so Jesus, in that chapter, began to tell three particular stories. One about a lost sheep and the shepherd going to look for it. One about a lost coin where literally no stone was left unturned to retrieve it and find it. And thirdly, the one about the lost or what we sometimes call prodigal son. These stories are what we know as parables. Jesus, a brilliant communicator that he was, would often use everyday stories set in an Eastern culture Sometimes we have to dig around a, bit, a little to gain our best understanding of what he was seeking to say. And then using those stories to bring a spiritual and an eternal application to people's lives. I want you to think about those verses because we're going to come full circle to them at the end. But this was the reason that Jesus told the stories. It was to a dual audience. One lost people gathering round him, but two, a religious crowd that were indignant that Jesus would spend time with such people. And yet, these verses show us, as many others in the Gospels, that Jesus was impassioned about reaching and influencing lost people. Indeed, he was a magnet for lostness. In Luke 19 and verse 10, it says, Jesus is come to seek and to save those that are lost. Let me ask you for a moment. Have you ever been lost? I mean, really lost. I'm going to give an illustration. And as I give it, I'm starting to come out in a cold sweat. Because numbers of years ago, I went on a mission ministry trip to southern, southern Italy, to the, to the city of Taranto. And... Uh, the arrangements for Sunday were that we had a service in the afternoon and the evening. So there was a long morning to, to fill with no particular commitment. I decided I'd go for a run. It was meant to last for 30 minutes and I got hopelessly, hopelessly lost. I'd taken no money with me, no mobile, no map. And there was no mercy from the rising Italian sun. Four hours later, I stumbled upon the headquarters of the local Carbonari, and after some questioning from the police, they kindly took me back to my lodgings. It was horrible, terrible. I was completely lost. I'm still not sure how it happened. I'm still not quite sure why I couldn't get back to base, but there it was. I went further and further away not nearer and nearer to. And here we've got a story about lostness. My suggestion is, friends, that we don't take lostness seriously enough at times because we don't realize just how lost we are. And yet our response to God 
our life before him really is going to determine the forever. And so the call this morning, as we minister out, the call from these verses and the call on Father's Day is to make sure that you've come back home. We don't have time to read all of the story this morning, but as I make my points, there's going to be a little verse reference to each one of them. So please try and stay with me. Firstly, a relationship. In verse 13, it says that the young son set out to a distant country. So here's the scene. A father has got two sons. It seems as though he's a man of some considerable wealth and substance, perhaps farming the land and making a good living from it. And as in our culture, normally if there was any inheritance due, it would usually come after someone has passed on. Similarly, in this Eastern context, however, someone could ask for their inheritance up front. And this particular young man did exactly that. And the story goes on to say that he went and completely distanced himself from his father, from his friends, from his formative relationships, and went to a distant land where he blew his inheritance on wild living. I'll let you put your interpretation on that, but it seems as though it was pretty, pretty wild. Now, in the last three months, I've heard a lot of people, both in personal conversation and through the media, make this comment. It's been a completely different rhythm for many, maybe a time for some extra reflection. So the statement has been this. I've been looking at what is really important in life. I've been looking at what is really important in life. Now that's really good, but my question this morning is, has that question gone deep enough in you? Has it addressed the fact of our lostness before God? You see, the Bible tells us that man was made in the special image of God, and the primary reason he was made was for relationship with the Almighty. There was a time when that relationship was perfect and pure and beautiful and winsome and intimate. But through the willfulness of man, it was shattered and broken. And here's the truth. Ever since, mankind has been on the run. From the garden of perfection into the far country. And every one of us, because of the first four, is left undone and away from the Lord. Now, this story goes on to say that a famine came to the far country where the young man had indulged his wild living and he ended up penniless, not only penniless, but in absolute ignominy, shame and disgrace. Jesus sometimes used exaggeration in a story to get the point across. And here it comes, because we find the young man now working in a pigsty to try and eke out a meagre living. If you read the dietary laws 
of the Jewish code going back into the Old Testament book of Leviticus, you will know that this indeed was a shameful place for a young Jewish boy to be, the pigsty. Sadly, the word of God says that as Jesus has come to give us life, there is also an evil one at work who seeks to steal and to kill and to destroy. In other words, he's really, really happy if he can reduce every one of us to the pigsty of life, which means that we're hopelessly lost and far away from God in our relationship. Secondly, a repentance. Verse 17. When he came to his senses. Now you may be aware at times that the word repentance has been used in an aggressive and hectoring fashion. You may have seen the old-fashioned sandwich board men that uh, wish to preach the gospel in another time, uh, calling people to repent. That's sad because it's a beautiful word that when implemented well, really sets us up for a win and for a blessed relationship with the Father. In the original language of the New Testament, the word is metanoia. And it means a change of mind that leads to a change of action. I'm going to try and illustrate it in everyday terms. <clears throat> so I'm ministering this morning from our Ilkeston campus. And imagine for a moment that I was wishing to take a car journey <clears throat> to London. Now, from this particular building, there are a number of routes uh, to get to the M1. But let's keep it simple. We're going to go down the Orsworth Bypass we then come to the Ikea island. We turn right down the A610 dual carriageway where we come to another island. If you want to go to London, you need to get in the right-hand lane and go right round. It takes you south. If you go left, it is taking you north. Now imagine for a moment you've not engaged your satellite navigation. You're talking to somebody in an animated way in the car and you lose concentration for a moment and you find yourself going left north up the motorway Mansfield Chesterfield Sheffield Wakefield yes eventually you're going to arrive in Leeds if you've made a mistake you need to implement metanoia a change of mind that brings a change of action. I suggest that you do it before Junction 27 because then you'll have only lost 10 minutes of time. Frankly, it's crazy to carry on going to Leeds thinking that you're going to get to London. And there are many people perhaps listening today that wish for some change in their life, realise that they've got it wrong, know that they're far from the Father's heart and yet are carrying on doing exactly the same things. All repentance is doing is calling us to make a change. And when we do that, it involves knowledge because the young man says, well, if I go back to my father's, at least there's going to be food. It involves determination he said, I will set out. It involves sorrow. He was, even be, he was even prepared no longer to be called a son of the family. 
and it involved action. The Bible says he got up and set off back to his father's. Yes, the word has been used perhaps inappropriately on occasions, but make no mistake, the Bible call to every one of us is to repent. Thirdly, a restoring. Verse 20, still a long way off, his father saw him. Day after day, it would appear that the father had a longing, a desire, a passion to see his errant son return back to the home. And day after day, he would go out looking for him. And then this day, the silhouette on the horizon was unmistakable. Yes, bedraggled. Yes, his son had lost weight. Yes, he was scruffy in appearance. But that's my boy. And he's coming home. And the grace of the Father to restore us from a lost, broken, messy situation is absolutely incredible and almost unbelievable. But the gospel is good news that a God of grace is continually reaching down to lift people back to himself. We sing a song. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. That's grace. Now, I'm not a great TV man, but there are some programs that draw me in. And one of my favourites is The Repair Shop, or as I prefer to call it, The Restoration Shop. If you've not seen it, it's normally on now on a Wednesday evening. And what happens is that People come from all over the country to a workshop where brilliant craftsmen work and to restore broken toys, heirlooms, possessions that often have a very strong family generational meaning. And so the story is explained. It may be dad in the war. It may be three, four generations. It could be a teddy bear. It could be a chair. It could be a watch. It could be a clock all sorts of things. The story shared. And then the artisans get to work and sometime later the person comes back. There's normally a blanket covering the restored uh, article. It's pulled off. And often there's gasps. There's tears. It's emotional. It's moving. It's ridiculous. I'm sat in my living room watching the telly. I've got my handkerchief out. It's a restoring process. And that day when the father received his son back to the house, there was no stiff upper lip greeting from an austere, angry dad. But he poured out his restorative love and said, it's good to have you back, son. Again, for time's sake, this morning, we don't have an opportunity to really dig over the symbolism of what took place Next, but let me just bullet point it to you. Because the Bible says the father kissed his son. It was a show of affection. That he put a new robe upon him, a sign of celebration. That he put a ring on his finger. It was a new affirmation. And he put shoes on his feet. It was fresh liberation to be free back into the family home 
accepted in the Father's love. That's restoration. It is emotional. It is moving. It is incredible. And our God is a God that loves to restore again and again and again. No matter how broken you are inside, no matter how much you've wandered for him, no matter how it seems irreparable, with God, restoration is always, always possible if you would just bring yourself to his hands. Fourthly, a rejoicing. In verse 24, so they began to celebrate. The restored son had been to all the wrong parties for all the wrong reasons in his waywardness and it left him in a mess. Anybody identify with that who's listening this morning? But what an opportunity here to have a party with an altogether different motive and spirit. The one lost is found. The one that seemed dead is actually alive. Let me just say this morning that not only does Jesus get lostness, but heaven does as well. Because in verse 10 of Luke 15, it says, Rejoice that when someone returns to God, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents, who turns in the opposite direction. And let me say this morning, without any sense of qualification, Arena Church get it too. We don't underestimate the challenges that may lay ahead of people as they work out their devoted commitment to Jesus. But this is why we do what we do. We long for the lost to be found, the dead to come alive, the broken to be restored. And not only is heaven glad, we're glad too. And we really are. And fifthly and finally, a reaction. Verse 28, the older brother became angry. Often preachers will finish the story without referencing the third main player within it. The father, the prodigal son. But let's for a moment just look at the attitude of the older brother too. And for me, this takes it back to the first two verses we read. Jesus gathering lost people around him and the religious getting angry. Verse 28, when the older brother returned from the fields and heard the partying and the whooping and the celebrating, he wasn't glad. He got angry. He got angry. And this was the dual audience that Jesus was speaking to. One group of people that were lost and they knew it. The other group of people that were religious and yet still lost. You know, this morning as the good news of Jesus goes out, there are many people maybe listening saying, Phil, that's me, I'm lost. The more difficult person to reach at times is the person that thinks they're okay. The person that lives with judgment of others. The person that points the finger. The person that gets angry with the ministry of Jesus. 
But if I can say it carefully and graciously this morning, you're lost too. You see, religion never gets us to God. Remember, it's all about relationship. And religion gets angry. I've had people say to me on occasions, don't talk to me about your religion. All it does is cause problems. Yes, we have to accept that religion, angry religion, causes a lot of problems in the world. But the gospel, this church, our ministry is not about religion. It's relational. It's about calling people to a personal relationship with God. Religion, yes, gets angry and it seeks to pounce. The older brother, he'd been faithful to dad. He'd not strayed. He tilled the fields. He kept going. But it became a huge lid on his ability to welcome home his kid brother. At Arena Church, we determined to keep blowing the lid of any religion off the life of our community of believers. And then that aligns us with the message of Jesus that says, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, whatever your brokenness, the red carpet of welcome is rolled out and you can come home. I like a quote from A.W. Tozer, who was a prophet of another time. And he says these words. He said, I'd rather go to church with messed up people who are passionately pursuing God than go to church with religious people who don't like messed up people. An arena church likes messed up people because in one sense, we're all still messed up, working out the journey of following Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit to change us day by day by day. And we want other messed up people, not religious people, to join us to know that God is real. So as you can see, the message was to the lost and the religious alike. As I close, can I encourage you this morning, wherever you are in your heart's journey, to understand the seriousness of lostness. To not go continually down the road that is taking you further and further away from God. But to implement repentance and turn to him. Don't stay unaccepted because you are loved. Don't stay guilty because you are forgiven. Don't stay anxious because you are accepted and worthy. I've been looking for what is really important in life. There is nothing, there is nothing more important than ensuring that you and I have a restored relationship with the Father. Because that only not affect that not only affects the now, and particularly this very, very difficult season that we all find ourselves in. It not only affects the future. For some, 
may be particularly uncertain, but it affects the forever. And if we don't make the decision now in life, there is a day coming where we will either be close to the Father or be in the distant land forever and ever and ever. And the Father's arms are outstretched to every person this morning. This Father's day, he cries, come back home. Let's pray. And so as we draw the ministry to a conclusion this morning, I'd like to pray over three situations. Firstly, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You perhaps thought you had. You've had a religious upbringing. You've gone through some of the ceremonies of the church, but you know deep in your heart you're far from God. You've never repented. You never reached out to the Father. You've never felt the embrace of his love around you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray very deliberately. It may be that you're on your own and you can say this prayer out as I pray it or just within your heart, God knows. And here's the prayer. Father God, thank you that you so love me that you sent Jesus to take the penalty for the sin that I'd committed. I repent of my waywardness. I turn to receive Christ as my Lord forgiven and ready to follow you all my days. Amen. There's a response button on the screen saying right now, as we often call in church when we're together to raise the hands, there's opportunity to connect and to connect afterwards. And we'd love to be able to send you some literature, some help. And that first tentative step of moving into a relationship with God through Jesus, we'd love to be part of encouraging that. And then what to the prodigals? You'd responded to Jesus. Something happened. You felt judged. You got wronged. You took offence. You've ran to things that are perhaps shameful and regretful. And today the prayer is that you would come home. That you would be able to find again the Father's heart that you would allow God this morning in prayer to restore you, to redeem you afresh and to renew you for your life's purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. And then finally to that person, not necessarily a young person, maybe somebody in the 40s, the 50s, even the 60s like me and you're pained by that natural father relationship that just did not work and it makes it so hard for you to press into the father heart of God can we pray today that you'll be healed can we pray today that you will know God's fresh affection celebration over your life affirmation of who you are and liberation into all that he has intended you to be. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.